0: If you'll please turn in your copy of the scriptures to Matthew chapter 5. As you're turning there, I just want to thank Dr. John Henson there for that vote of confidence. Since you're so interested in value and saving money, I'd like to nominate John to be the next church treasurer. All in favor, say aye. (laughs) The current treasurer's wife clapped very loudly on that also see a lot of our college students home this weekend. It is really good to see many of you and to be here with you at your home uh, worshiping the Lord. So I hope that your semester is going well. Matthew chapter 5, we are in our sermon series on the Sermon on the Mount called Kingdom Living, and we are taking special time and attention to focus on the Beatitudes, and we come now to our fourth Beatitude. But hear now God's holy and authoritative word as we will read Matthew chapter 5 verses 1 through 10. Seeing the crowds, Jesus went up on the mountain and when he sat down, his disciples came to him and he opened his mouth and taught them saying, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you that we have it here now in our own language, that we can read and study and meditate upon it. And we pray now, Lord, the power of your Holy Spirit would come and work in our hearts, would be in our midst to teach us what these words of Jesus mean. We pray this in his name, amen. It's a pretty common thing in the United States of America, especially in United States version of Christianity, (laughs) to have lots of... Quotes or questions or cliches to describe the Christian life. So I want to read a few of these for you here for a moment. Just think about them. One of the great quotes comes from St. Augustine. Our hearts are restless until we find our rest in thee. We've heard countless songs and countless numbers of poems that say something to the effect of Everybody worships something. You may have been evangelized or even used these words yourself as you talk to someone. There's a hole in your heart, and you're trying to fill it with everything else in this world but Jesus. We just sang for the second week in a row on purpose the song Satisfied. I love that line in there, the dust I gathered around me. Life's stuff, the things that the world have to offer. The song says, only mop my soul, sad cry because the dust is not satisfied. I remember on Highway 49 going down through South Mississippi, there's this huge billboard with a portrait of Jesus that says, No Jesus, N O, no Jesus, N O, no peace. No, Jesus, K N O W, no peace. No, Jesus, no peace. No, the Lord Jesus, no peace. So often we are trying to fill our longing hearts with things, with stuff, and we think that once we have that new job, once we have that relationship that we've longed for, as soon as we have that new house or that new possession, whatever it may be, we think, I'll be satisfied. Then I will be happy. But we are told, again, one of the famous lines of Christianity, only God can truly satisfy our deepest longings. All of these little ditties, all these little quotes and questions and sayings, they describe the spiritual appetite that every single person who has ever lived Has been given by the Lord God Almighty. We all have a longing for something. We all worship something. And the question that we have to ask this morning what are we doing to satisfy our spiritual appetite? What are you doing to satisfy your spiritual appetite? Jesus says, Blessed are those who hunger. And thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. We are in the Beatitudes, and we have discovered and said over and over that these Beatitudes are the attitudes, the attributes that we are to be. They describe what kingdom living is like for a believer, for a Christian in God's kingdom, serving the King. And Jesus is teaching that Christians who live in the kingdom of God, they hunger, they thirst for righteousness. And so Martin Lloyd-Jones reminded us that these attributes are not where Jesus is saying, if you do these things, then you'll be a Christian. No, he's saying because you are a Christian, because you are a child of the king, do these things. And we have said before, and it's worth saying again, that kingdom living, what we are talking about in the Sermon on the Mount, is a call to Christians, and that as a Christian, you are to be very different from the world. And in this day and age, you are, at, you are probably supposed to be downright weird. People should look at your life and say, that guy or that lady is weird. Look at the way they're living, because kingdom living is different from worldly living. A Christian is kingdom-minded, a kingdom-minded child of the king. In these Beatitudes, the Lord Jesus is teaching us, his disciples, this message loud and clear. And he says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. But he gave us eight Beatitudes, so the first three that we've looked at are connected to this fourth beatitude. What is the connection? Well, one who is meek, one who is poor in spirit, one who mourns and grieves over their sin is one who hungers and thirsts for righteousness. So that is what this beatitude is teaching us this morning. It's teaching us that we have a, a God-given Spiritual appetite, a longing for something, a hunger, a thirst. It is the way that God created us. And the way we will fill our lives and hearts with something. Everyone has a spiritual appetite. We will fill our lives and hearts with something. And we are either seeking satisfaction from righteousness or wickedness. That's where you are either this morning. There is no middle ground. Either you are longing for righteousness or you are living for wickedness. What are you doing this morning, this day, in your life to satisfy your spiritual appetite? For us to understand, for us to get the heart of what Jesus is teaching us here, I think it is best for us to study the terms that the Lord Jesus gives us here. And so we will look at a few words, a few phrases in this beatitude. Righteousness, we'll look at what it means to hunger and thirst, and we will look at the word satisfaction. So first, righteousness. When Jesus says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, he says it in Matthew verse chapter 5, verse 6. What is this Righteousness. Well, the Greek word for righteousness here is, I just like to say it, dikaiosune. Sounds kind of ferocious or something, dikaiosune. You know, I like that word. What does it mean? What does the Bible mean when it talks about dikaiosune, righteousness? This Greek word, it appears almost 100 times in the New Testament. And if a word appears that much, it's important. It's at the very heart of the gospel. It is at the very heart of what the apostles and Jesus was trying to teach in the entire New Testament scriptures. So what does Jesus mean here? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Well, I think there's two kinds of righteousness that Jesus has in mind here. Two kinds of righteousness that Jesus is teaching us to pursue, to hunger and thirst for. The first is the righteousness that we receive from Christ in order to be right with God. If you've heard me say one verse one time, you've heard me say it a hundred times. 2 Corinthians 5.21, one of the best verses to encapsulate what the scripture teaches, what the gospel is. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. In the gospel, through Jesus' death on the cross, we have righteousness. We are made right with God. This is the heart of the gospel. This is what the good news is. We lack the righteousness to save ourselves, we cannot be good enough, we cannot do enough rituals. We cannot follow this specific set of formula to make ourselves right with God. And plus, we're sinful. Our sinful nature, our sinful actions condemn us, make us not right with God. And so what does the gospel teach us? The Lord provides this righteousness for us. That is the truth of the gospel. That apart from Christ, we are spiritually dead. You are not living according to what the Scripture teaches. What does it mean to be spiritually dead? It means that we're not in communion with God. We are separated from God because of sin. We are not right with God. We are unrighteous. Therefore, the thing that we need the most is to kaiosune. We need to be made right with God. We need to be in a right relationship with him. Because our sin and because of our unrighteousness, we cannot stand before a holy God. We cannot make ourselves right with him. This is why we need the Lord Jesus Christ. This is why he must be our Lord and Savior. This is why we need the cross This is why the gospel really is the most important thing in life. We are separated from God. We are not right with him. And the only way, the only way to be made right with God is through a real personal relationship with Jesus Christ. In Christ, we are made right with God. So at the heart of Jesus' teaching, at the heart of his teaching on kingdom living that we are looking at here in the Beatitudes, is a longing to be made right with God. We long for this righteousness because that is what we need the most. That's what the Apostle Paul teaches in Romans chapter 3. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. The good news of the gospel is that the righteousness that we need, the righteousness that we long for has been provided for us by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. We are saved. We are made right with God by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. This is what I was describing. This is what I mean earlier when I said that we are all seeking satisfaction from either righteousness or wickedness. If we're seeking to fill our lives with righteousness, that means we are seeking to fill our lives with Jesus and His righteousness. It enables us to sing that hallelujah Jesus satisfies all my longings. It is his righteousness that we long for. That's the first thing that Jesus was teaching us, the gospel. But along with that, the second type of righteousness that Jesus must have been referring to here because it is taught over and over in the scriptures and it will be taught over and over as we progress through the Sermon on the Mount Is it the righteousness that we are to long for? The the righteousness that we are to pursue is the righteousness described in the Scriptures is that of kingdom living. In 1 Timothy 6, verse 11, we are instructed to pursue righteousness. Elsewhere, this is called holiness. We are to pursue holiness. We are told to be holy because... God is holy. First Peter verse 1 First Peter chapter 1, verse 16, quoting Leviticus chapter 11, verse 40, 44. For I am the Lord your God. Consecrate yourselves, therefore, and be holy. For I am holy. Kingdom living is a call to holy living. It's a call to pursue righteousness. It's a call to pursue all the things in God's word that he has commanded us to do. We hunger, we thirst for righteousness because we pursue loving our neighbor as ourselves. We really do have others' interests before ourselves. It's our calling. We are called to be kind and compassionate to one another. We're called to forgive one another. We're called to love our spouses and our children. We're called to obey the Ten Commandments. We're called to obey all of these things that God says in his word are good. One of the blessings of all of God's word to us, that we can read it, that we can study it, that we can meditate on it, because it teaches us how to live in the kingdom of God. It teaches us how to pursue righteousness. Do you want to pursue righteousness? Do you want to be holy? Feed upon his word. Read his word. Meditate upon his word. Love his word. I believe Jesus is calling us to have a spiritual appetite for both of these types of righteousness. His righteousness that he gives to us by faith to all who believe and the righteousness that we are called to pursue, the holiness that we are called to pursue. That is the righteousness that Jesus is calling us to hunger and thirst for. So what does that mean? Why does Jesus say, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness? Well, hunger and thirst are two very natural human dispositions. It's the way that we are made. It's fundamental to our makeup as human beings. Every person in here has to eat and has to drink to survive. And if you didn't eat and drink this morning, you're falling asleep right now probably. (laughs) You're having trouble focusing because your body is wired to be filled with food and drink. We eat and drink to survive hunger and thirst, they're not passive actions. We have to actually take very deliberate steps to feed ourselves and to provide sustenance for ourselves. If you've raised children, you know this very well. You probably think, as we do, I think all we do is go to the grocery store and fix meals (laughs) because that's what it takes for our children to survive. They're necessary. They're Life-giving, life-giving desires, life-saving desires given to us by the Lord, hunger and thirst. So Jesus uses these words here to describe the intensity, the, the longing, the focus that a Christian is to have longing for the righteousness of God. We are to crave it. We're to long for it. We're to yearn for it. We're to pant for it as a deer pants for streams of water. We are to thirst for the living God. It's very intentional, the songs that we sung this morning and the words that we read from Psalm 42 and Psalm 63 and singing, you are my all and all. All of these things the scripture describes for us as that longing, that yearning, that panting we are to have for God. To hunger and to thirst for righteousness is to hunger and to thirst for the two types of righteousness that we just described. We're to long to be right with God, the righteousness that Jesus gives us, and we are to desire to live godly, to live righteously, to pursue holiness. Well, that's certainly easier said than done, right? Because if you're like me, that's not your experience. You didn't wake up this morning going, man, I am longing and hungering for some, some righteousness. If you're like me, you're like, where is the coffee? You know, I cannot get to it quick enough. The problem is that instead of hungering and thirsting for righteousness, we are told by the world, and we often believe in our sinful hearts, that we are to hunger and thirst for blessedness or happiness. See how sin distorts and perverts the gospel? You see how our sinful hearts and the sinful world and even Satan himself can take these words and flip them? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for blessedness. It kind of sounds nice, doesn't it? Kind of sounds cool. But it's a perversion of the gospel. It's a perversion of the word of God. Instead of following the prescription given to us here by Jesus for kingdom living, we, we turn it around and we make it all about our happiness. We make it all about me, 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 me. To test this, just ask any parent ask me on a bad day, what do I want for my children? more than anything else in life, to be happy, right? I just, I just want them to be happy. And they will tell you that's what being a good parent is about. Or ask any person on the street who is living a sinful life, why are you breaking God's command and disobeying his word in this very specific thing that he's told you not to do? Because God wants me to be happy. Therefore, I will break his commands so that I can be happy. Because that's what God wants the most, right? That's wrong. We ask the world, what is the chief end of man? They will not tell you that it is to glorify God. They will tell you that it is to be happy at all cost. Happiness is... Blessedness is not something that we are to seek directly. You are not called in the Christian life. Kingdom living is not about seeking your happiness at all costs. Always in Scripture, always, every single time in the Word of God, happiness and blessedness is a byproduct From seeking the Lord and loving him with all your heart. Happiness and blessedness is a good thing. But it comes from seeking and loving the Lord with all your heart. God doesn't call us to be happy. He calls us to be faithful. God does not call us to be happy. He calls us to be faithful. If we follow the world if we follow our sinful desires, and if everything we do in life is all about pursuing happiness before righteousness, then we will reap what we sow. Our sin and wickedness will destroy us. God will give us over to our happiness and desires if they're wrongly placed in things rather than in Jesus. Lloyd-Jones says this, whenever you put happiness before righteousness, you will be doomed to misery. And that's been your experience, hasn't it? It's been the experience of others that you know. And when they make their chief end, that their main purpose in life is to be happiness, that that happiness will ultimately destroy Again, this is what I mean by we are all seeking satisfaction from something. We long to have our hunger and our thirst satisfied from either righteousness or wickedness. If we're seeking to fill our lives with righteousness, that means we are seeking to fill our lives with the Lord Jesus and His righteousness. If we are seeking to fill our lives with wickedness, with sin, with evil, then the only way that we can suppress the truth The only way that our conscience will keep us from falling off the deep end, the only way that we can keep living a life like that is to keep feeding wickedness and lust and evilness and wrongdoing, unrighteousness to our hearts. Because only this continual feeding on wickedness will be able to suppress the longing for righteousness. What are you feeding on this morning? What are you seeking satisfaction from? That's the last word we will look at. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. The Greek word used for satisfaction is the idea of being full. The reason that you can go to the grocery store, and Bob Byrne will be making a huge trip to the grocery store to buy some huge, big, fat ribeyes for us on October 19th. And the reason why we can go to the grocery store and get one of those big, nice, long, fat ribeyes or get some of that nice hamburger meat to make us a great game-day burger is because some farmer worked really hard feeding that calf grain and grass and grass. And water so that it will be fattened up, healthy, and ready for the slaughterhouse. That just made everybody's stomach growl, didn't it? Well, at least the men. That's the idea here. That's what the Greek word means. It means to fatten, to, to fill up, to, to satisfy, to get it ready. Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, they will be satisfied like this. They will be full, full. They will be fattened. But there's a paradox here that I have to warn you about. There's There's a weird tension that exists in the Christian life, in kingdom living. Because as believers, the more that we feed on and drink of righteousness, we are filled. But yet, the more that we hunger and thirst for more of this righteousness, the more we long for more, the more we want of Him, Once we have tasted and seen how good Jesus is, we want more of him. We we crave more of Jesus. This past summer, I I lost a a dear friend of mine to cancer. He discipled me in college. He, He truly was my spiritual father in the faith. He was the godliest man I ever knew. And so I went to visited him, knowing that he had terminal cancer. He was going to die just a few months later. And here he is, a man with 13 children, five grandchildren, 54 years old. And he's dying. And he looks at me and he says, Wilson, I cannot get enough of this. I am positive that the man had re- read the Bible over a hundred times through. I am fairly certain that he had most of it memorized. And in one of his last words to me is, I cannot get enough of the Word of God. I cannot be satisfied enough by the endless treasures of his grace that is found in the Word of God. That stuck with me. Because we drink from the well of water that we sang about earlier. If we feed upon the bread of life, we will experience a satisfaction, a fullness that is literally not of this world. If we feed on the filth around us, the dust around us, the world and its desires, it will never satisfy. It cannot satisfy. The world and its desires pass away. Proverbs 13, 25 says, The the righteous has enough to satisfy his appetite, but the belly of the wicked suffers want. The righteous has enough to satisfy his appetite, but the belly of the wicked suffers from want, not being filled. At the beginning, we asked, what are we going to do to satisfy our God-given spiritual appetite? What are you going to do? The answer is not a thing. We're not going to satisfy our spiritual appetite with a method. It's not 12 steps. It's not a formula that I can give you this morning. And it's certainly not the world or anything that Satan Asked to offer the answer is not a thing. It's a person. It's a person. Jesus says, "I am the only thing and the only one who can satisfy." In John 6:35, "I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Only Jesus can satisfy our longings. He is the one our soul craves. And through his blood, we now are saved. Let's pray. Father, forgive us. Forgive us where we have fed upon the dust around us. Forgive us where we have longed for things that do not satisfy. But we pray by your Holy Spirit that you would help us to see Jesus very clearly, that he is the bread of life, that whoever comes to him shall not hunger and shall never thirst because he satisfies. Lord, help us to believe and to live. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for we are satisfied by all that Jesus has to offer. For it is in his name that we pray. Amen.